Hello, you're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. You can also find more information about what is covered on the show at daletracks.blogspot.com, and you can contact me there if you have questions or suggestions about the show. Today, on Making Tracks, we're going to focus on monarch butterflies, including a look back at an exciting journey that pedaled the route following these amazing insects from Mexico northwards towards Canada and back. We'll also hear about monarch population declines in both eastern and western populations. The monarch butterfly is well known for its long-distance seasonal migration and its spectacular winter gatherings. West of the Rockies, monarchs migrate to the California coast. Most of California's monarchs clusters in groves of non-native bluegum eucalyptus, as well as Monterey pine, Monterey cypress, and redwoods. Each spring, monarchs disperse across California, searching for milkweed plants on which to lay their eggs. Milkweed is the only plant monarch caterpillars can eat to grow and develop as adult. Several generations are produced throughout the spring, summer, and fall, with each generation spreading further across the landscape. The last generation then migrates all the way back to the overwintering grounds in the fall. Remarkably, monarchs return to the same grove of trees as their ancestors. Studies of overwintering sites over the past 20 years demonstrate that monarchs have undergone a dramatic 95% decline in western U.S. since the 1980s. Planting of milkweeds can create fields of dream for the returning butterflies offering the only species of plant that monarchs use for laying their eggs. This is a great place to observe and enjoy these butterflies. And if you want to do even more to help conserve this species, consider planting milkweed in your own garden. The two species appropriate for the Sacramento area are showy milkweed and narrowleaf milkweed, both of which can be purchased through suppliers, and I'll provide information on those on my blog site. But there's locations for purchasing milkweed plugs. You can also purchase milkweed and pollinator starter kits, and I'll have references for reading more about creating habitats for monarchs as well. As time allows, we'll have a little writing and butterfly music to help along the way too. And now, head outside when you can. It's time for Making Tracks. So there's one butterfly effect that does truly affect us all. The monarch butterfly is one of North America's most iconic species, but we may not be able to see and experience them much longer. In less than 20 years, the monarch butterfly population has declined by 90%, from climate disruption to deforestation to pesticides and chemicals that destroy their habitat and food source. The threats to this delicate butterfly are substantial and growing daily. It's hard to imagine the spring without the beautiful, iconic monarch butterflies, but this might soon become reality if we continue to allow herbicides like Monsanto's Roundup destroy monarch butterflies' breeding habitat and decimate their population. So monarchs are pollinators, just like bees and other butterflies, essential for the reproduction of wild plants around the world. Without them, existing populations and diversity of plants would decline, even if life-sustaining elements like soil, air, and other nutrients were available. 
Monarch migration is considered an endangered phenomenon. The spectacular annual migration cycle of the monarch butterfly has been described as an endangered natural phenomenon. Their migration south requires five generations of butterflies to successfully complete the journey of up to 3,000 miles. Monarch's primary breeding habitat during this two-month marathon voyage is the milkweed plant in the Midwest Corn Belt. But over the last 20 years, herbicides like Monsanto's Roundup and genetically manipulated Roundup Ready crops have destroyed the milkweed plants that monarchs rely on and eat to lay their eggs. Monarch butterfly survival is so important that many government agencies and organizations across North America are working on projects to conserve monarch habitats and their migration. Federal public land management agencies are also taking an active role in public outreach and conservation. So protecting monarchs helps other species too. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is currently working to determine whether monarch butterflies should be listed as an endangered species. Protecting monarchs would help safeguard other important species that are not as well known to people. Cynthia moth is also relies on milkweed, and the greater prairie chicken requires protected open plains habitat to survive. The chemical that's killing that is Roundup.
My Butterfly by Jahari Side Trio, a local Sacramento band. I want to share an article on the status of monarch butterflies in our region. This comes from the publication The Acorn, which is the newsletter from the American River Natural History Association provided to all members. And I really recommend that you support that organization and visit their facility and nature center at FEA on the American River. Here today and gone tomorrow. Will the monarch butterfly be returning to the Sacramento Valley for future seasons during its breeding cycle? Data from this year's observations of showing milkweed in the gardens around FEA Nature Center has everyone concerned, and we're not alone. From April through September, over 20 volunteers have been trained as citizen scientists to follow the University of Minnesota protocols to study milkweed at our site, looking for monarch eggs, larvae, and caterpillars forming in their chrysalises to complete their breeding cycle as emerging adult butterflies. This is our third year participating in the study at IFIA, but the first year to have data over the full breeding season, averaging 786 plants assessed each month. Even with all those eyes dedicated to looking under every leaf, the findings have been disappointing. They found very few eggs and even fewer of the five stages of instars, or caterpillars, this year, while identifying many of their predators, including oleander aphids, jumping spiders, ladybug larvae, just to mention a few. They did see three developed chrysalises and brought one inside to watch the metamorphosis process, yielding a healthy adult female, which was released, released then to continue her journey. Well, monarchs visiting Sacramento in the spring most often do not stay with us, but move on to breed and lay eggs on milkweed all over the west, some as far north as Washington State or eastward into the Rockies. Monarchs we see towards the end of the summer may be on their way back from these farther regions, catching the last chance for breeding before going into diaphase, stopping their reproductive cycle, and preparing for migration to temperate zones along the California coast for overwintering on eucalyptus, cypress, and other evergreens. The Monarch Larva Monitoring Project tracks data from over 300 sites across the U.S. to better understand the declining populations of monarchs and to support what can be done through conservation efforts. Unfortunately, Monarchs have been declining nationwide over the past 20 years. Art Shapiro, professor of evolution and ecology at UC Davis, has been studying monarchs across the Central Valley for more than 30 years, and he states that he has not seen any eggs so far this year, which has him quite concerned. Have the California wildfires disrupted the monarch migration patterns? Has the temperature increase from climate impacted overwintering survival? Scientists across the world are watching, trying to define causes and influence changes that will protect our natural world, including the that for Monarch. So we want to extend our thanks and appreciation for the many citizen science volunteers who helped at FEA conduct this study of milkweed. The plan is to continue the project next year and hope 
hopefully detect more monarchs into the future. All of us can support monarch survival by planting showy milkweed and other pollinator plants to attract and feed our monarch, as well as the overall planet conservation efforts that come from these local activities. And again, that's from the Acorn publication, winter issue for ARNA. You're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. Hi, my name's Sarah, and I want to invite you to be part of my next Beyond a Book adventure, a bicycle tour to Butter Bike with the Butterflies. Each spring, millions of monarch butterflies leave central Mexico and begin the multi-generational migration north into the United States and even Canada before looping back to Mexico. In March 2017, I'm going to join the monarchs on a round-trip bicycle tour and connect my adventure to schools, nature centers, and community groups to expose students to scientific concepts in a silly, engaging way, all the while allowing them to be part of our trip from start to finish. The feedback from teachers has been extraordinary. Like my other adventures, Butterbike's all about connecting students and adults to real-life adventure and conservation. And I'm especially excited about Butterbike because this is an opportunity to empower people of all ages to be part of the migration. And that's why Butterbike is offering free presentations, field trips, videos, and gardening encouragement. Let me explain. Butterbike is also working to inspire, educate, and encourage schools, homeowners, and municipalities to plant monarch gardens. Monarch gardens are living laboratories that foster hands-on discovery, stewardship, and scientific curiosity. They're also the key to monarch health. And unless people like us plant monarch gardens along the migratory route, this unique and iconic migration could go extinct. You can already watch my Take 5 video demonstrating how simple it is to plant a garden. And hopefully your gardens will be ready when the monarchs and I visit. If you're interested, you can learn more, sign up, and follow the trip at beyondabook.org. I look forward to hearing from you, whether you're an educator, parent, community member, or monarch fan. Remember, no idea is too crazy and no garden is too small. Thanks for watching this butter biker. Get ready to butter bike with the butterflies. Wait for your friends to come home. Speak with the birds. Hey everybody! I'm happy to report my trip is going great. Whoa, 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 whoa. Better than great. And so I'm celebrating the 2,000 mile mark of my trip. I've now biked in six states in Mexico and three states in the US. That's Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. One of my favorite parts of biking these last few weeks is seeing all the wildflowers along the road. These roadside gardens are some of the last remaining habitat for the migrating monarchs, and they're full of native flowers. Today we're going to learn all about what the word native means. And why planting natives is so important, not just in the wild, but in our own backyards. So what does native mean? To answer this question, I went to a farm in Texas and spoke with a not-so-ordinary farmer. Well, my name is Bill Neiman, and I'm the owner of Native American Seed. 
at Junction, Texas. That's right, Native American seed. He grows native plants and sells the seeds so that others can grow natives too. He explained what native means. Of what is a native anyway? It's like these are the plants that evolved here over thousands of years. So, like the worst drought is no problem. The worst freeze is no problem. And nobody has to water them or fertilize them. They know exactly how to live right here with no extra care. So being native means occurring naturally. Humans didn't move them, so they've had thousands of years to adapt to the soil, the rainfall, the climate, and other native plants and animals. For example, these blanket flowers are native to many states, including Texas, and have evolved long roots called tap roots that help them find water and survive the hot, dry summers. Kind of like a long straw that lets them drink water found deep underground. That means if a person living in Texas plants blanket flowers in their garden, they won't have to water them in the summer. Now, this is green milkweed I found in Oklahoma, and it's adapted to the cold winters by going dormant. If it lives in your garden, it'll die back in the winter but reemerge in the spring, green and beautiful, and you won't have to keep planting new ones each year. So, why turn lawns into native gardens? Native plants need a lot less care. You don't need to water them, fertilize them, and they're more beneficial to plants and animals. Of course, sprinklers are a great way to cool off. So if native means naturally occurring, what do we call the plants and animals that were moved by humans? There's the difference between native plants and alien plants. Scientists also use the words exotic, non-native, and introduced. So remember the blanket flower that is native to much of North America? Well, people have planted it all over the world, making it non-native in many parts. And in some areas, it's done so well that it's begun to hurt the natives and has become invasive. Many of the alien plants actually become invasive because they don't have any natural way to fit in. And so they spread and spread and then they take the place of where native plants could have been living. So there's problems when people don't understand the value of natives and what is a native anyway. That's right, Bill. But let's make sure we've got this straight. Is this lawn native? No! Most of our lawns are full of introduced grasses from Europe. We have to water and fertilize them because they're non-native. Of course, in Europe, they are native. How about this common milkweed? Is it native? Well, yes, but only in the United States and Canada. Since people brought it to Europe, it is non-native, and in a few places, it's even invasive in Europe. It's okay to plant non-native plants in your yard. But if we can share our yards with natives, then monarchs and other species can survive, thrive, and call our home home too. So go learn more about natives in your area, and I'll keep enjoying them as I butter bike with the butterflies.
Well, it's October, and that means the Wild and Scenic Film Festival is on tour and coming back to Sacramento. The Environmental Council of Sacramento and Save Our Sandhill Cranes will be presenting the film festival on October 20th at the 24th Street Theater, which is located at the Sierra 2 Community Center, Sacramento, starting at 6 p.m. Doors will open at 6. Films will run from 6.30 to 9.30. There will be a silent auction. Tickets are available now online, or you can purchase them at the door, but you're encouraged to purchase them online. There is a processing fee, but it'll be easier to get tickets now than it will be at the door just because of space. I want to tell you a little bit about the 2018 film program. It's another great one, and I've been lucky enough to review some of the films that are going to be shown. Sky Migrations, looking at the fall migration of, of raptors. We'll also see a film on the Salmon Will Run, which will tell the story of Chief Kaleen Siska of the Wintu tribe and the journey to bring our salmon home. There's another film on the unofficial history of national parks, a film on Wallace Stegner's 1960 letter to Congress about the importance of wilderness, Wildlife and the Wall, looking at border issues with building a wall there and how it will affect the wildlife and a local one, The Invisible Mammal, The Bat Rescuer, features the founder of NorCal Bats locally and does a lot of work out on the Yolo Bypass and will actually be at the festival that evening in spite of her busy nighttime schedule rescuing bats. Another film, Where the Wild Things Play, looking at watering holes, a film on Brothers of Climbing, Biomimicry, the practice of looking deeply into nature for solutions to engineering, design, and other challenges, creating a long-term sustainable world. A film on, entitled Naturally Selected, an organization that rescues native habitat and fights for Miami's most vulnerable residents, and the Valve Turners. This is an important one. October 11, 2016, in solidarity with Standing Rock in response to climate emergency, a team of activists took direct action, shutting down five of the pipelines carrying tar sand oil from Alberta, Canada into the United States. The Valve Turners were in Sacramento a year or more ago, and it's a fascinating story. You won't want to miss the documentary that goes into depth on it. Then there's a film, The Blind Sushi, film telling the story of a blind travel writer who goes foraging and diving and is the first world sustainable sushi chef. Now, it's not too late to be a sponsor for this event. And again, there will be a silent auction and raffle hosted at intermission to raise funds for the protection of local habitat in the Sacramento region. So come early and make sure you can check out the raffle prizes and the wonderful selection of photography and artwork for the silent auction. At the same time, invest in preserving our own local ecosystems. Well, Ecos hosts this event in partnership with Save Our Sandhill Cranes. And I should mention those Sandhill Cranes are on their way down here now, migrating back from Alaska and Canada, where they spend the winter down in our region. Now, the chosen beneficiary of all festival proceeds is the California Heartland Project, the Regional Conservation Vision of Habitat 2020, which is the Conservation Committee of ECO. The California Heartland Project seeks to create a connected network of parks, preserves, and conservation easements on working farms and ranches while creating access to open space for education and recreation, protecting the unique biodiversity found in the Sacramento Valley, and conserving our agricultural heritage. So again, you won't want to miss this event. October 20th, 6 p.m. You can visit ecosacramento.net for more details and follow the links there to buy your ticket. You don't want to miss it.
think I'll go for a ride Take the bike out of the shed Make a fresh start Get out of my head When the head spins There is no joy Put me up in the saddle I'm just a little boy A little boy on a mission Like the Tour de France Like Fred and Ginger When they were doing their dance To the sound of the rubber Out in the old bog road Through the gorse and the heather Sure I'm as free as a bird It helps me remember How good it used to be When I was a king The bike, the road and me I think I'll go for a ride Every ride is little victories Challenges and trials You hope the skies won't open When home is many miles You think you're cruising Your world is floating along But a fall or a puncture Anything can go wrong And then you know you're vulnerable At the mercy of the wind With every hill you climb You begin, you begin You begin to be a spokesman With the freedom of the road You see the Wicklow Mountains You know you have to go I think I'll go for a ride On two wheels Around Kildare I think I'll go for a ride There are cycling heroes Each one is my pal They inspire me when I'm pedaling By the river or canal Some days I'm Sean Kelly Some days I'm David Byrne Peddling through Dublin town Or in Portland, Oregon Mick Christopher in dreadlocks Donald Lunny and Alwyn Fawere Cycling through the city I'm waving to them all there, eh? <laughs> Get up in your bike No petrol, no diesel You'll never get obese A cadenza in a musical piece And there is peace Peace of mind When you ride the frontier Between nature and mankind I think I'll go for a ride I think I'll go for a ride Summer evening on the road A cool breeze in my head in motion on two wheels round Kildare I think I'll go for a ride 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 by Luca Bloom. 
Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU. The Climate Report focuses on local climate actions and more, sponsored by 350 Sacramento every Wednesday at noon. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. For Radio EcoShock, the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU-FM, Glow Power and Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks. Again, thank you for listening. Well, I-